again, everybody. Scott Bowden and Brian Last right along ringside and ready to go with another big day of the KFR podcast. And yowza, yowza, Brian, I am privileged to welcome the son of one of the biggest legends in Memphis wrestling history. Mil Moskris? Is it Mil Moskris' son? Is it Quattro Moskris? Are you done? Cinco? Are you finished? <laughs> I hope so. You're going to be really embarrassed when I tell you who's going to be on the show today. Okay, okay, I'm sure. Ladies and gentlemen, in fact, this show has nothing to do with Mil Mascaris, who was in Memphis on January 29th, 1979, at the first show I ever attended at the Mid-South Coliseum. I've proven that already. So we're moving on. Today we have the son of Lance Russell. Shane Russell is going to join us on the program today, and he is going to tell us some of his favorite memories of Memphis wrestling and what it was like growing up the son of Lance Russell in Memphis. It certainly had its highs and lows. And as you might imagine, he had some uh, <laughs> he had some confrontations on the school playground occasionally over uh, a certain part of his anatomy that was very similar to his father's, if you smell what I'm cooking. All that today on Kentucky Fried Wrestling. We'll be right back. Well, hey, oh, hey, come on now, Joe. We've had enough trouble in the studio here. And uh, Joe LaDuke, who will be challenging. I'm tired of having anybody and everybody say that I'm sick and I'm crazy. Jerry Lawler, you said on this television right here that I was afraid to come here because you were here. Well, I'm going to show you, punk. I'm here, and now is better than ever. Come and get me. Come and get me. And now, Jerry Jarrett, yeah, you're my boss. You want to fire me? That's fine. But nobody is going to stop me from going to that Coliseum Monday night. You can fire me anytime you want after Monday night. Jerry Lawler, you just saw that film. You just paid how much money you paid those people to show that film where you double-crossed me. I had you beat right down the middle. Yeah, I got a busted head. <laughs> I got a busted head, Jerry Lawler. So what? I had a busted head when I was born. So who cares? But I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do, Jerry Lawler. You tell everybody how crazy I am. I'm going to show you I'm not that crazy. I'm going to take a note. You know what that is? Well, I'm going to tell you what it is. In the lumber camp in Canada, when you do something very important, when you want to do something very important, you take a note. And you make a scar on your body somewhere to remind you in case you don't do it, and to remind you not to look at yourself in the mirror. Never! Well, I'm going to do it now, boy. I'm going to show you, punk. This is a max, and this is a norm. I'm going to show you, punk. I'm going to cut my arm. And if I don't do what I tell you Monday night, I'll never be able to look at myself in the mirror as long as I live. 
But I'm going to do it. Now, Gerald, all of you hear this. Gerald, all of you hear this. Right now, Gerald, all of you, I'm going to mess up your face. And that's the last match I lost with you, Gerald. Lord. Look at that. All right. You see it right here. Look at it, boy. Now, do me a favor. Do me a favor, Jerry Lawler. Do not show up Monday night at that Coliseum because this car right here, it's going to get you hurt. It's going to get you hurt. It's going to get you hurt. And after the match, Jarrett, you can fire me. loses touch with reality. That's all there is to it. Uh, he did it. And, uh, well, anyhow, Monday night, that uh, will be Lawler's problem. Mm. And we are back on Kentucky Fried Wrestling. As I mentioned, I am quite honored to introduce our guest this week. He is the son of the greatest wrestling announcer the world has ever known, Lance Russell. Along with his broadcast partner, Dave Brown, Lance was like a trusted neighbor who was welcome into my home each and every Saturday morning, introducing about 350,000 fans and me to another big day of championship wrestling, the wild and wooliest wrestling show in the country. But together, they made the impossible believable each and every Saturday morning on Channel 5. Ladies and gentlemen, Shane Russell. Scott, how you doing, sir? Great to hear. I, I tell you, let me do this properly, a good Lance Russell. Yellow again, everybody. Shane <laughs> Russell and Scott Bowden right along ringside for another big day of championship wrestling. Oh, my God. There that we is, go. Man, that was super smooth. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've heard that a few times in my life. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. And I, I don't know if you actually listen to my show, but... <laughs> But uh, I, I use that each and every week uh, yep. right here on yep. KFR, and it is a uh, it's a little tip of the hat to to Lance uh, every week, and uh, it's hard to describe really what it was like growing up in in Memphis uh, as a young fan. It was probably you know I I, I discovered wrestling in the summer of '77, which is right when Jerry Lawler. And Bill Dundee are hitting their peak, uh, the first great series of matches with all the crazy stipulations. And I was hooked from the get go. And it was, you know, I know wrestling was popular on a local level everywhere, but I don't know if there was a particular show that had the same cultural impact as the Memphis wrestling show. Uh, and a lot of that had to do with your father, I think, and, and his relationship with Dave Brown. And because to me, they were like two trusted neighbors coming into our living room every week and wrestling just happened to be on, you know, you, you know, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, that's, that's the way it's been described, uh, for many, many years that dad was the, like your grandfather, uh, telling you all about wrestling or, or whatever it is. And he, he was so believable. Uh, he, he was just, he was, he was just really good at what he did. Um, what is your earliest memory, uh, of realizing what exactly your, your father did for a living? Well, uh, you know, my dad was a, uh, a TV man, pro broadcaster for years and years, and uh, I, I would always remember him, you know, going to work at WHPQ-TV and 
on the highland there and uh and uh you know he would uh his job was to pick the movies out you know that came on channel 13 and i would always do that helping with that stuff as a or as a kid and and then and then i started watching wrestling uh my mom uh early on really did not want me to to watch wrestling um, just because there were some, sometimes, you know, dad got pushed around or roughed up and she didn't want me to get too worried. And, um, so, uh, but anyway, I started watching it and, uh, Hey, just like everybody else, I got hooked and, uh, I was, I was fortunate enough that, you know, with, uh, Lance being my dad, that I could go down Saturday morning and sit, I would sit up on the stairs right by the controller's booth and I watched all the matches from there. And, uh, it was just amazing. I saw so many old matches that, uh, you just, I mean, uh, this is back in the, you know, mid sixties, uh, late sixties when I first started doing that. So, uh, I saw it back in those days. It was just a great time. And uh, who was your favorite, uh, as a fan growing up? Well, the fabulous one. I mean, he was, (laughs) he was the man. Uh, you know, it's funny. I'm on all these uh, wrestling um, Facebook pages, and people asking who are your, you know, favorite uh, tag team partners. Well, nobody remember. I, I don't know if you probably don't remember. There was a, a group back, a brothers back in the day called the Fields Brothers. Yeah. And I was I was so impressed with how they moved in the ring and did everything it was unbelievable. Of course, Don and Al Green. I mean, th- those guys were just unbelievable. Uh, I grew up watching, uh, you know, of course, the interns and Dr. Ken Ramey and uh, the Von Brauners, uh, Saul Weingroff. I mean, you know, I, and, of course, Tojo and, and Jerry Jarrett back in the day. So, yeah, I mean, I, I know them all. Okay. Yeah. So that was a that was a heck of a time for wrestling in the area. And I love the way they centered things around uh, the World Tag Team Championship. You know, sometimes the Von Brauners would come in with the so-called NWA World Tag Team title belts, uh, or sometimes maybe even a trophy, which I always used to joke was one of Eddie Marlin's old bowling awards. Oh, bowling awards! Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, at any rate, uh, and the heel, and you know, th- these great heel tag teams would would be built up as almost unbeatable uh, yeah. for, uh, and not just for a few weeks, but we're talking about two or three months, uh, uh, just a, an era of dominance until they were finally defeated in the end. And if they were a mass team, like the interns usually losing the mask at the end. Uh, but there was this huge payoff and, but they, they would tease it. Like if a guy, if the, if a team came in at the beginning of the summer, they would just rule, yeah. uh, and, and not take us maybe a DQ loss here and there. Uh, until finally a baby face team would break through and just some, it just made for some great storytelling. Unbelievable, unbelievable time in, in wrestling there in Memphis. Um, do you, so, uh, you know, when I talked to Jerry Lawler, uh, shortly after Jackie Fargo passed away, he was telling me about how he and his father, that was one of the things that they really had in common was their love of wrestling and that he would go to Ellis Auditorium and, and see, and, you know, and Jerry loved the, the heels and he loved the mass wrestlers. Uh, so that's kind of interesting to think that, that you and, and Jerry Lawler were uh, huge fans of the business at that around the same time. It sounds like. Yeah. Huge fans. Yeah. And of course, uh, you know, when Lawler came around with, uh, Jim White and Sam Bass back in the day, you know, that's, and then, and then, you know, I got so in, enthralled with them. And I can remember one time when I was a kid, we, uh, I, dad let me go to Jackson, Tennessee with him. And so I, we rode up there together and he did the matches. And on the way back, 
uh, Jerry needed a ride back. So dad gave him a ride back and I sat in the back seat and I, I was, I was on cloud nine. I thought, Oh my God, Jerry Lawler is in the car with me. And you know, and I'm talking and he's telling me his life story. So wow. it was, it was just really, it was neat. It was a really great time. How would you describe the relationship between, uh, your dad and Lawler? Uh, you know, I, it's funny you say that, uh, you know, Mark James just did a book on Jerry Lawler. I don't know if you've seen it or, or heard about it, but it's all his all his matches and his records. and And he asked me to write a um, a little thing. Uh, you know, uh, in the uh, I don't know what they call it, pre preface, uh, like a forward. Or, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, so yeah. I, I wrote something in there, and uh, and basically the way I perceive their relationship was uh dad was he was so proud of jerry lawler um and, and i said in it that when he announced his name out as coming to the ring it was it was he did it with a little more enthusiasm uh and, and almost like he was announcing he, his his son coming to the ring you know that's kind of the way i perceived it you know because he helped jerry get in the business gave him a little intro you know Jerry always likes to tell people it wasn't for Lance Russell, but dad always said, heck, Jerry Lawler would be in the business and be a success if it wasn't for me. But I just helped to get the ball rolling. But that's the way I always perceived it. Dad was just he was he was just so proud of Jerry, the what what he's become and how and how he was. And and even though they, they didn't talk all the time, they did talk and when they did it was it was just, you know, Jerry, you could tell Jerry in his voice that how much he respected dad and, and just thanked him for everything he did for the, for the business. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I know for a fact, uh, Lance was so impressed with the illustrations that Jerry would do when they would uh, give the results because that was back in a time. I, well, for Nick Goulis did not believe in, and showing clips of the matches <laughs> right. on, on the program. Cause he wanted you to buy a ticket to come to the arena. Uh, not, I, and I think Jerry Jarrett sort of opened the doors uh, literally to the Coliseum and, and let the cameras in because as Jim Cornette would say, you know, we were in Louisville and, you know, a full house at, at Louisville gardens was one thing, uh, you know, 5,500 fans, you know, packed in there screaming and, and believing in everything that they were seeing uh, for the most part, or at least suspending disbelief. But there was something about that wide shot <laughs> and hearing your dad's voice yeah. welcoming you to a sold out Mid-South Coliseum that would just give you chills uh, without even being there. Uh, it, it was so built up in my mind, and I vividly I remember the first night that I went to the Coliseum uh, just to experience that same magic. And I, I, but I remember one of the first things I asked my uncle was like, are we not going to hear Lance <laughs> 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 yeah, at the yeah. Coliseum? Because to me, the two were so intertwined. Right, right. Uh, and so I, it took me a, it took me a moment to get used to the fact that I wasn't going to hear Lance's commentary as the match was going on, which right. I get, which again is a tip of the hat to uh, to your dad and and just how uh, just a, it's such an important part of the storytelling process. He and Dave Brown were, yeah, yeah. Dave and Dave and uh, Dad were uh, were great friends um, and coworkers, and it, it was it was you know nothing more to be said on that. They just, they just, they gelled together and, uh, it was, it's, it made history. 
Yeah, I uh, I thought they complemented each other really well. Uh, you know, sometimes you, your your dad would get caught up in it and would be emo- a little bit more emotional, whereas Dave was a little bit more cool and collected, uh, and and sort of I guess protective of his credibility as the number one weatherman in the city. Uh, do you have any memories of when they first? decided to go with Jarrett and leave WHBQ uh, and, and go to WMC? Oh, I have, uh, I have a lot of memories of that was a, uh, that was a big, uh, big turmoil in the, in the Russell household when that whole thing went down. Um, you know, dad again, you know, was a longtime broadcaster, had a great job with, you know, WHBQ and our RKO general as the, as the family, uh, the uh, parent company. He, you know, great benefits, good job, good steady salary. And then here, you know, Jerry comes around, Jerry Jarrett comes around and says, hey, we'd love to, you know, we need you to come over and work full time for the wrestling business. And and my mom and dad had many, many talks about it. And, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, think about it. I mean, here, you know, you got 20 years with, with one company and it's a steady, regular pay coming in and. And, uh, and, uh, so dad, he, he thought about it and he, he, he said, Hey, I, I got to do it. Hey, you know, I love wrestling, uh, and I'm going to try it and we're going to see how it goes. Well, another thing too, that people don't quite realize, and again, this is sort of the state of the business at that time, Jerry Jarrett was very young to be a booker and, and, you know, he, he has tried to explain to me how, when he was first introduced, some of the veterans, uh, walked out because they weren't going to take orders from a kid. Right. And he, and even though Memphis was starting to do very well uh, and selling out and actually doing better than Nashville and doing better before he took over the booking, he was still, there was still uh, some caution, you know, is this kid, is he going to be at it for the long haul? And it, but it seems like your dad had really good instincts and also a good eye for talent. And because that, that was a leap of faith to leave the established veteran Goulas and go with this upstart and his young star, Jerry Lawler. Right. Right. Well, you know, he was working. It, it was just kind of a side job working for Goulas. Yeah. And um, so he uh, and and Jerry did offer him a pretty good hefty amount of money to come to come work for him. So uh, uh, he, he just, he, you know, he's, I think dad saw the writing on the wall, how it's going to go. He, he saw the, the vision that Jerry Jarrett had, the, the innovativeness that he, that he brought the creative, you know, he was, and he was very impressed with him and he thought, Hey, it's going to be hard to lose with this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, so when I started watching in 77, pretty much the, the war had been, had won one at that point. Uh, Goulas, I believe, stopped running Memphis by the time Lawler and Dundee were off and running on their feud. Uh, about how old were you in 1977? And did you go to the Coliseum for any of those eventful matches between Lawler and Dundee and that, that incredible series where they were drawing nine, 10,000 fans every week? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I did. 77, I was, uh, I was a uh, junior in high school, so uh, yeah, I went to a lot of matches down there, and uh, I went to uh, I went to Lawler's run when he was going for the uh, world heavyweight title. When they brought in each week, they'd bring in somebody different. You know, Bobo Brazil, Jack. Um, uh, okay, I can't think of the other guys who they would bring in, but uh, every, remember that every time, every week, it was a sellout, and uh, it was it was just a fabulous time. Uh, and that, and like you said, that had to be uh, 
just a good feeling for Lance, who had introduced this kid on, you know, in front of a live TV audience, uh, to see him grow into a talent that, you know, quickly, very quickly, Jerry Jarrett explained on our broadcast that when he paired him with uh, Sam Bass and Jim White, two veterans, that it was all planned to bring Jerry along slowly. Uh, so he would pick up the psychology of the business. Uh, he had so much natural gifts that he just felt like he would flourish and attacked him to hide his shortcomings until he developed into a star on his own. And then they pulled the trigger and moved Jerry into the single matches. And then that whole program was designed not only to get Lawler over as a legit contender to the NWA World Championship, but also has the hometown babyface. Because yeah. I think by the end of that, even though Jerry was a heel, it was sort of like, you know, he's a he's a jerk, he's brash, he's arrogant. And he, but he's our jerk. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's the way it was. That's the way I felt about him. I mean, I, I hated the stuff that he did, but also I loved him. I mean, I just, you, you can't have, it's kind of like watching a train wreck almost, you know, you want to watch it and you root for it, I guess. And how did you take it with, with Jerry? Because he would always, uh, you know, single in on Lance, uh, with the whole banana nose, liver lips, uh, you know, just all this <laughs> stuff. So you can, uh, how did you take that as, as a young man? Oh, you know, I, I, by that time I knew, I knew the business. I knew what was going on. Now it did cause me trouble in school because, you know, of course everybody knew my dad was Lance Russell. And, and when he said, when they started caught, when he started calling dad, you know, banana nose, unfortunately I, 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 that is one thing I inherited from my dad is the nose. So, so I was known in school as banana nose junior. So, <laughs> so oh, I, I, I kid Lawler all the time. I say, Lawler, I want to, I appreciate you making my, uh, my school days tough for me being known as banana nose junior all the time. <laughs> oh my God. So, so you were pretty tough. <laughs> yeah. Up. Well, I think there were a few guys, you know, like that, but once they found out who my dad was, I think that, I think they all kind of figured, Hey, wait a minute. He knows Jerry Lawler too, or whoever he could get somebody to come, you know, do something. So, uh, I didn't get picked on at all. You know, and one thing, one thing about your dad, I, I can't think of any other broadcast personality in the city whose appeal transis, transcended race and culture, economic status. I mean, Everybody watched that show. It, yeah. It, just, uh, just incredible. I think they were doing like a 70 rating, uh, at one point, the third highest rated show in the city, including primetime, which is just astronomical numbers. I mean, basically, if you went into any house in the late 70s, early 80s on a Saturday morning, odds are that wrestling show was on. It, not everybody would necessarily be watching it, but it, it would be on. And they, they, they were so great at capturing the imagination of, I think, the, the casual fan as well as the diehards. Right. And I think that's a testament to, uh, to dad's appeal. I mean, he was, he, again, it was just, it was like your grandfather talking to you on the TV and telling you what's going on. And everybody loved him. He was very respected and, and, you know, it didn't matter if you were old or, or young or, or African-American or white or, or whatever. I mean, everybody liked him. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, and, and, and Dave Brown's appeal was just incredible as well. The, wow. the, super, the super smooth weatherman and Dave. just uh, just a heck of a guy. Yeah. Dave, Dave just, you know, he's very well respected in the city. And that, that was just another plus. Definitely. Yeah. 
Um, what, are, what were some of you, like all the time, I mean, no matter who I'm interviewing, if I'm interviewing Dundee or, or Jerry Dredd, and, and, you know, inevitably your dad's name will come up. And we'll just go into some of our favorite Lance Russell moments. Uh, do you have any in particular that, that stand out to you? Well, uh, you mean on, on camera? <laughs> on ca- well, yeah. What can, well, I want to talk about off camera too. What the, what what he was like off camera, but uh, yeah, on camera first. Yeah. Well, you know the um, of course the one that really stands out for Dad is is the Dream Machine uh, episode where <laughs> you know he gets knocked down and attacked and uh, the alley oop video. Yeah, Dad. Dad. Uh, you know he swears that hey, I, I did not know he was going to do that. You know, and uh, <laughs> he got a little hot because. The rule was you don't touch Lance Russell. I mean, that right. was just kind of the rule. So he was a little uh, taken back by it. Uh, but, um, you know, I think it all worked out in the end. It just, it, it, it just grew the, it grew the fans hatred even more for the dream and worked out great. And of course, the other one is, uh, is Jimmy Hart dumping the flower <laughs> on dad. You know, uh, I still see Jimmy every now and I, I, I do a lot of business in Daytona beach and, so I'll stop in and see Jimmy at his bar down there, and we'll talk about some old times. But uh, that was a funny. Uh, Dad tells a great story. He, uh, you know, they dumped that flower on him, and he he says, you know, like a dummy, I go I I go back and get in the shower afterwards. When you know what happens when you put water on flour, he says, I got this paste all over my body. You know. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Um, you know, I, one thing, one great thing about Lance is, yeah, I, I just watched some of his old stuff from from time to time. He could do more with an eye roll, you know, with his right. facial expressions, and which is, you know, you think facial expressions in regards to the actual performers, but really, I mean, it was so key to I think his success as well because you know his just roll of the eyes when Lawler's going on and on or Jimmy Hart's on a roll, yeah. Um, and the fact that he was not that, but by and large, he rarely cracked up, yeah. you know, with, with Hart and Lawler on the mic. I mean, that, it just had to be, uh, that had to be challenging at times, I would think. Yeah. He was so good. He, he probably was one of the best ad libbers I've ever uh, seen. Yeah. You know, with, he was never at a loss for words. You know, he could help anybody through an interview. Uh, he was, he was, he was just really good at, you know, another one that really stands out, uh, in front of the camera and off the camera was the, uh, the Joe LaDuke, uh, arm cutting incident. Um, he, you know, he didn't know he was going to do that either. And he, uh, he, he, dad being an old broadcaster, you know, he, he didn't want, he didn't want the blood, uh, from that being shown. And he was cringing. When uh, he came, afterward he came back and said I, I just couldn't believe he did it and we showed it and uh, he, he was not in favor of that at all. No, and I, actually I, la- I asked Lance about that. Uh, I, you know, I met your mother once too uh, in Charlotte at the oh. at the 2009 uh, NWA Legends Fan Fest. Right. And I yeah. and I, I organized a little uh, Memphis Roundtable and I asked Lance about that incident. And he was saying that they had actually gotten, even for Memphis, which was just a crazy wrestling show with so many angles and guys getting attacked every week and and not really, you know, shy about having blood in the studio. But they had actually started to pull back a little bit because they were starting to get letters uh, with people complaining, like, you know, if this keeps up, I'm not going to let my kid watch it anymore. Right. So they were actually making a con- 
<laughs> they like two weeks before they had actually started making a conscious effort to kind of tone things down a little bit. <laughs> and then Joe comes out there with the, <laughs> with the X and brother, I mean, you know, uh, without even knowing for sure, I've watched it so many times over the years. And I've thought there, I bet Lance did not have any idea he was going to do that. And uh, wow. he said, and what was interesting though, to me, like Dave Brown said after that, he said, you know, Joe was one of those guys. He, he goes, after we, gave him a dressing down afterward about it. And he said he felt awful uh, that he had, that he had lost, you know, cause I think he got carried in, carried away in the moment of the show, which, you know, Jerry Jarrett would always kind of push the guys to go that direction, to get caught up in the moment. You know, they would have an outline, right. but I know for a fact, just from my time in the business, that was subject to change, you know, uh, <laughs> which, which gave the show a sense of danger uh, because what was on the, on the format, a lot of times would, you know, Lawler would call something on the fly, like go in there and run in with a, with a chair and hit him over the head. I'm like, what? Go, go, go. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so we never really knew what was going to happen. And I think the fans picked up on that. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it was all live. That's the other yes. thing. I mean, it was live. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the, uh, the Eddie Gilbert, uh, running Lawler down in the parking lot. You know, they got they got a lot of heat for that. You know, the police showed up for well, that. The, the police department's right across the street. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. And and I think that that actually hurt the angle because I think Jerry you know, they were also spooked because they thought Eddie Gilbert was gonna get arrested for attempted murder. Yeah. Uh that they had to have Jerry come out there and do an interview. I think he was right. gonna actually take a couple of weeks off. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey. Um, you know, it's interesting when we were talking about your dad's relationship with Lawler. The way their their relationship would transform on television, whether or not Jerry was a babyface or a heel. Uh, when he when Lawler was a heel, Jerry was a you know a pain in the ass, and and the just the look on Lance's face was just priceless uh, when Lawler would get on a roll and just shaking his head, doing an eye roll, but then. When Jerry was a babyface, it, it was almost like uh, that father and son dynamic would take right. over, especially if Jerry was going after the world championship or had suffered a setback and a crushing loss, or if Jerry was a babyface and got out of control. You know, the whole, hey, come on, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, I didn't raise you this way. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> oh, you, know, my God. you know, what's funny is people always, uh, they, they they come up uh, to me and if they know who my you know dad dad was and they say you know your dad he was the he was the voice of my childhood and uh, and I always would say you know he was mine too but in a totally different way. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. What what was Lance <laughs> like? I mean, I talked to Lance. I love talking uh, to Lance uh, about the business, uh, and I've. Afterward, I called him a couple of times after I moved to Los Angeles, and he was always so tickled to hear from me. And he would always, one of the first questions, it was like, how's your writing career going? And I just, I always just appreciated that so much oh. that he took an interest in me because he knew that when I uh, did my, my, my big heel turn and got to do my first interview alongside Lance, which was such a surreal moment for a guy who had been watching the show since 1977. Uh, you know, I graduated from from Memphis State that year, but honestly, that was my proudest moment, without a doubt, wow. of, my, of my young adult life to be next to Lance Russell and have it have it go 
pretty well, largely because Lance is is carrying me basically, and uh, just having some immediate chemistry. He was just uh, such a great guy to work with, and I love talking with him after the show. But I didn't really get a chance to talk too much about his family life. What so what was he like uh, at home, uh, Dad? Dad, uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, although, uh, he lived a lot of his life in Michigan. Uh, his dad was, uh, my grandfather was in the automobile business, but he had Southern roots. All of his whole family was from the South. And so dad had, uh, had that old Southern philosophy. Uh, you know, when you're speaking to someone older than you, you say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. And that was instilled into us. And, you know, uh, he was a, he was a, he was a disciplinarian. He, he definitely taught us right from wrong and, uh, told us to be honest and, and, uh, live, live life right. And, uh, he, he was, he, but, you know, even though we had the job at channel 13 and, and, uh, doing the wrestling, he still found time to, uh, to coach me. I played all the sports. I did, you know, football, baseball, basketball, all that kind of stuff. He still coached. He, um, that was something really uh, amazing to see when dad was uh, my basketball coach and we'd go down and play at the, uh, at the fairgrounds, you know, and we didn't have enough play at uh, my church, didn't have enough players. So we'd go down to the fairgrounds and we got, we found like four or five guys down there just playing and they, Hey, do you want to play with our team? And, and we, we ended up having a great team that year. And a couple of the guys went and played, a, went on to play at Memphis State, uh, basketball. Um, but yeah, he was just, he just found time for family. I mean, I had a, uh, my, of course, my bro- older brother, um, and then my sister, uh, of course, who passed away. She, uh, you know, we had, we had the three, he had the three kids and, and my mom and dad were married for 67 years, which wow. is uh, almost heard of, you know, nowadays. So, yeah. uh, but, uh, you know, he's just a regular, regular guy at home, um, with the, with this odd job that he had on the side, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and what did I know? He didn't have uh, a lot of free time. Uh, it didn't sound like to me because I know he uh, would uh, a lot of times go to Louisville. Uh, the weekends, I think he, he I believe he would go to Nashville too, wouldn't he? On Saturdays, he 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 very rarely went to Nashville. Okay, uh, he he would go to Rupp Arena in Lexington. Uh, and then, uh, my, not many people know this, but he actually promoted, uh, a little town right outside of Lexington called Mount Sterling, Kentucky. He was actually the promoter for that, uh, for that little town that he didn't do it long, uh, probably, you know, six months or so, but, um, yeah, he, he'd make a run to Louisville. He'd make a run to Evansville. Uh, didn't go there often, but, uh, he tells a great story about time. First time he had Dave Brown and his wife Margaret, they all went to Rupp Arena, and this was back in the day when uh, the Poffos, Randy Savage and his brother Lanny and their dad, you know, were thinking Jerry was doing them wrong and were causing trouble. And uh, Dad actually went up. They they all drove up together, and uh, and Dad tells the story. He says, I, "I he packed his gun with him, you know, just in case trouble was to come out." and uh, and they had to park inside the arena because they didn't know what was going to happen outside. And so, um, yeah, it was uh, that was a, that was an interesting time with Randy Savage. Yeah, he yeah he told me he told me the first time he went to Lexington, and I guess ICW had gotten 
thrown off the air. Uh, right. And, and Lex and and Savage was sure that Lance had something to do with it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and he was scaling the cage. You know, there was like or <laughs> the cage, a fence uh, that separated that surrounded the parking area. And Lance said, you know, I pull in and I get out and I hear this, you know, Randy Savage to me, it was like he was talking with a mouthful of barbed wire. And yeah. he's like, Russell! <laughs> it, starts, <laughs> it starts climbing the parking lot fence. And he goes, I said, what did you do, Lance? He goes, well, we, we got our butts inside and I found Sonny King. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Dad, Dad always said, if you want to get, if you're in a bar fight, you need to, you need to be behind Sonny King. <laughs> <laughs> he was one of the toughest son of a guns you ever met. He said, "Oh my gosh, what about uh, what about Jimmy Valiant?" Uh, Dave Brown says that he was. It was incredible to watch because he was so almost shy and lay, and just so laid back. And then once that camera light would turn red, he goes, "It was just like a force, like somebody had lit a fuse and." It's like a Roman candle just going off inside the it, studio. It was unbelievable. I, you know, we got to, uh, at least I did. I got to know Jimmy later, at, you know, when dad got back into going to wrestling events and uh, making appearances at Comic Cons and all that. Um, we got to know, well, dad knew Jimmy forever, but uh, I got to know Jimmy pretty well. And, and you're exactly right. He was, I mean, you go up to him and he just kind of like bow his head. Hey, hey, Shane, how you doing? You know, very calm and quiet. <laughs> And then the next thing, you know, somebody's doing a, a an interview on the cell phone with him, and he goes into his, you know, boogie woogie boy handsome Jimmy routine. It was just unbelievable. Uh, something possessed him, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But that, but that's what made Jimmy so good. Yeah, and and the chemistry that between Jimmy and your dad was it was different than than the relationship your your dad had with Lawler, uh, Lance. Uh, it was just. Uh, Trying not, you know, trying to suppress, trying to suppress a laugh because Valiant was one of those guys, to me, who was the first to weave in all the pop culture references, and would do it in such a way that you actually believe that maybe he had some connections. You know, like he he would talk about <laughs> Bert, Bert, uh, Bert Reynolds and Sally Field just dropped me off. I think some, I think Bert slipped something in my Coca Cola, Daddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. Jimmy, uh, Jimmy and dad, they, they were good friends and, uh, and, uh, yeah, it, th th their relationship on camera, dad, you can, if you look some of those old interviews, you can see dad cut up a little bit when he, when he go into that routine. <laughs> I think the only time I ever saw your dad crack when Lawler was a heel, uh, they were doing a promo and it was Lawler against Bachwinkle. So it was supposed to be this big match with the two world championships on the line. And I guess when you, you know, your dad's kind of just going, or, uh, uh, Lawler's going and going and probably running a little bit over time. And your dad just looks at his watch. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And Lawler goes, What are you doing looking at your watch? You good? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, and you can see your dad just like shaking his head and biting his bottom lip, like, Oh, man, I'm going to kill you when we get to the back. <laughs> Oh God! Don't start that smart stuff. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, and I, I, was, I got that. I got that in my first interview. When it, when I, was, I, I was just going to say I was watching in, in prepping for this because I wanted to get, see some of your old stuff. I caught the one where he said that to you. <laughs> oh my gosh! I was that, that was so amazing to me, and I, you know, truth be known, uh, I kind of had the interview sort of in my mind. I've been I've been practicing this for years because what people don't understand, like backyard wrestling, 
existed when I was growing up, but Memphis was such a town with the personalities that we didn't do a lot of holds and act like we were punching each other. We all cut promos on each other yeah, uh, because that was the nature of the town. Uh, you know, the, the wrestling was, it was like largely like punching, kicking. It was a, it was a brawling town. They could also, they also had guys who could go and work uh, more of a wrestling style. And they promoted the world championship, I think very well, because they only had the world champion in two or three times a year. So it was seen as something very special. And again, this is, I think the genius of, of Jerry Jarrett getting the most out of a world champion's appearances by having uh, Lawler and Dundee have a disagreement over who's going to get the title shot. And yeah. so they would get six or seven weeks out of one booking <laughs> for, oh, wow. for the world heavyweight champion. And I would just love it when, when Jerry uh, would, would have another shot. And I, you know, I just remember your dad going, Jerry, you know, they don't come along every day. Take advantage <laughs> of the one that's here and good luck cup coming up Monday night, partner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. and, then, and then, but Jerry finally won the championship. Uh, you know, he's sitting there with the belt, and and Jerry probably says one of the most heartfelt things he's he's ever said on television, or he says, you know, I I've, I've thought about this moment and what it would be like for you, Lance Russell, to sit next to me and call me the world heavyweight champion. Yeah, have just, Lance uh, Russell call you the world heavyweight champion. Yeah, uh, just uh, some great stuff there. Uh, I, you you mentioned the decision to leave Goulas and to leave WHBQ, which, you know, I, I have some old WHBQ audio and I don't know if you've ever had a chance to, to listen to any of that, but it's really fascinating stuff. And not only the, a couple of old interviews, but also some old uh, WHBQ uh, programming overviews where they're talking about the Elvis Presley special uh -huh. and, and to hear your dad go over that. He had such a great broadcasting voice that he did. really could have carried him beyond wrestling. I think if, if uh, he had chosen to go that path, you know, he uh, I, I'm sure, you know, but you know, he, he broadcasted uh, everything, you know, he did baseball, he did boxing, he did, he did football. Uh, you know, he did all those sports. He was, he just had a great voice and, and he had that voice till the day he died too. He had that great voice <laughs> Uh, that was so, you know, so easy to pick up on. Um, but yeah, had, had it till the day he died. So, well, uh, and, and not only, not only a great speaking voice, but he was also, I, I think one of his gifts, uh, of being a, a great interviewer was that he listened and, and reacted to what was being said. Uh, I did, I think of the interview, the great setup with Lawler and Ric Flair, where Jerry kind of tricks him into putting up the world championship. Right. And Flair is supposed to get in there and wrestle Rick McCord. And this is just one of those little lancisms, as I, as I call them, that just made it, it just hammered home the fact that wins and losses uh, matter and they mean something. Because Lawler looks up and he looks up at Rick McCord, who, you know, was a prelim guy. And he goes, now, Rick, you're supposed to go in there and wrestle Rick McCord. And Lance, correct me if I'm wrong, has Rick McCord ever won a match on this television? And Lance lowers his head as if he's embarrassed for Rick McCord. <laughs> he goes, well, Jerry, I, I don't remember it if he did. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just one of those little things that to me, yeah. and before that, you know, when he's talking to Flair and he goes, uh, before we sign the contract, I just have to say, Rick, that is a stunning watch. <laughs> <laughs> that you have on. I, I tell you another one to, to really watch and listen to is the uh, Tupelo concession stand brawl. 
if, yep. you, if you look at that video, you know, they're showing the match and then, you know, Hey, you know, we're running out of time. We got to go. Well, they go to black and, uh, and then you, but you can hear dad talking to Mike Shields and saying, Hey, Mike, something's <laughs> going on in the back. Get your camera, you know, which is, you know, I, I, I don't know if I ever asked dad if he meant to do that or for you, but knowing dad, he's selling it, you know, and, and it was just, it was just, it added that authenticity that, Hey, something's happening. We need to get there. And, uh, and it, look where it turned out. It's probably one of the most well-known matches in Memphis wrestling history. Well, and, and that, uh, the beauty of that moment is when the cord gets caught on the door, right? And, and you're, and Lance who rare, you know, rarely, if ever had, you know, said anything remotely close to a curse word, right. like, ah, the cord, it's cut the damn door. Right. He, 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 he hates that too. When I, when we used to listen, he goes, I can't believe I cussed on camera. I can't believe I did that. You know, and the other thing he always says too, that he hated, he did, uh, in the empty arena match with uh, Terry Funk, when they're waiting on Jared, right at the very beginning, it yep. shows dad smoking a cigarette. Yep. And dad hated that because, you know, he gave that up and, uh, but he hated that showing him sm- smoking that. You know, I, Shane, I, I hate to, I hate to admit this. I did a little meme, uh, or, or a, or a gif where it was like a computer thing, a, a video capture. And all it was, was your dad lighting up in the, in the mid South Coliseum. Oh, <laughs> and this is when your dad was on Twitter. And I said, uh, you know, something to the effect of, you think Lawler was good with fire? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Here we have Lance Russell, who's not only the best announcer, but also the coolest cat. Uh, and it's got him lighting up just casually, like, I don't know if this crazy thing is going to come off. And Lance kind of got on me a little, a little bit. He goes, oh, Scott. <laughs> he, he's like, I really wish you hadn't done that. He goes, now I'm going to have like a lot of people telling me I should quit smoking. I quit smoking like 20 years ago. <laughs> oh, I know. He did. He, he really did. And you know, you know, we hadn't talked much about, but the, the one who really put up with all this and uh, was great about was my mom. You know, she, uh, you know, she hated every on the Saturdays when he would come home and they were, they had a blood match, you know, there, and there were spots of blood on dad's coat or tie or whatever it was. And of course she just let him have it for that, you know, and, and then the, on the rare occasion that, it, that his suit got torn, you know, that was another thing. But at one story that I don't know if you've ever heard or not, when dad went to the airport to pick up Andre the Giant. I don't think you, I do know this story. Well, back in the day, we, we, we had this van, this big conversion van. And so dad said, hey, uh, and that was my mom's. So she, she, he said, hey, Audrey, I'm going to I'm going to take the van to go get Andre. That way he can sit in the back and stretch out and relax. So he goes to the uh to the airport and gets him. They're coming out to the van and dad's opening up the side door and says, said, Andre, I got, I, I got thought you could sit back here. You could, you could, you know, stretch out. And, and my great Andre voice he goes, no, he says, uh, I'll sit up here with you. So my dad goes, you sure? You sure you don't want to sit in the back? <laughs> and he says, no, I'll sit up here with you. <laughs> so he gets in the front seat and he reaches down to get, to put the seat back where he lifted up and pushed back and he broke the seat right off the, the track. Wow. And my dad had to come home and tell my mom that Andre broke the front seat in the van. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, oh, you know, speak, speaking of your mom, it seemed like uh, your your dad and your mom had, had forged a, a good relationship with Bob Cottle. 
oh, uh, and his plan. wife. Yeah, uh, and I guess it's that when your dad uh, left to go to Atlanta for a bit, which I bring up in that in that interview. Uh, of course, I claim that that Lance didn't leave to go to Atlanta. It was to run the Jerry Lawler fan club. You're exactly right. I, that's exactly what you said. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what prompted the "Hey, hey, don't start with that smart stuff." <laughs> and then, but he but he's chastising me about hanging out with Eddie Gilbert. I go, "Oh, okay, Dad. Okay, Dad. Yeah. Okay, Dad." <laughs> and, yeah. and he came up to me afterward and he goes, "Oh, Scott, man, that stuff, that old Dad stuff, that that was fantastic." And I was like. Oh, thanks, Lance. <laughs> yeah, that was the same one where you said, uh, "I don't, I don't, I, I didn't know if there's anybody older than Eddie Marlin and Frank Morrell." <laughs> so, <laughs> oh my gosh, Eddie Marlin pulled me aside. He goes, "Scott, are we having a match?" <laughs> and I said, uh, "No, Eddie." He's like, "Well, why did you just book one on television?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I said, "Well, I know." I said, "But I, you know, I'd seen Jimmy Hart do that growing up," and he's like. You're not Jimmy Hart. I go, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Dad uh, Dad and Mom, uh, they loved the Caudles. And uh, every time they'd get a chance to be go to the Carolinas, they would always hook up and go to dinner. And matter of fact, the last time we went to the NBA, uh, NBA NWA Legends event, oh, it was about three years ago, I guess. Um, I can't remember that gentleman's name. Greg, I think was his name, who puts it on. Had Dad come over. And uh, Bob was supposed to be there, but he got sick right before it. He was he was so disappointed that he couldn't see Bob because he really wanted wanted to see Bob and uh, and and reminisce about the old days. So uh, yeah, and uh, Lance seemed to be shocked that his popularity extended far beyond Memphis, that uh, or at least he was humble about it uh, because you know I uh, I taped the Memphis show. For a guy named John Lanigan, and uh-huh. he lived he lived in Pittsburgh, and he had put an ad in the Commercial Appeal asking uh, someone to tape the show for him, and he sent me uh, tapes from Japan, Florida, all the different promotions. And number one, it made me a, a very much appreciative of the wrestling I grew up with. Um, I was I was quite taken with the Japan style, but some of the local like uh, the Florida promotion, some of the WWF TV that I'd not seen before the expansion years, uh, I, w- I was it didn't hold a candle to the Memphis Wrestling Show. Uh, but one thing that I was very interested in, the guy also introduced me to the Wrestling Observer newsletter, uh-huh. uh, which you know Dave Meltzer reported right. about the business as a business right. and. Your father was very popular in the year-end awards and won Wrestling Announcer of the Year several times. Uh, I'm almost surprised they didn't change it to the Lance Russell Memorial Award because it was, you know, he just dominated it and he was so respected and appreciated on not just a national level but on a on a worldwide level. He seemed and he seemed really humble and had no idea that that so many people traded uh, shows in that era. He was he was amazed, Scott, and you know. I tell people this, um, I, you know, that that's the one thing that I'm so, I, I kind of get choked up about it too, but my dad finally realized how much people loved him and respected him uh, for, you know, his work in the business. Uh, when, when, I, when he got back into doing, after my mom passed away, I talked to dad. I said, dad, you, you know, you, people want to see you out there. They want you to come to these things. Why don't we do some stuff? And he said, okay, you know, he says, no, you know, I, I don't want, nobody's going to remember. I, I hadn't been on TV in ages. They won't know who I am. You know, dad at that time, he didn't know what YouTube was or anything like that. And so we get this call from, um, 
Jeffrey Adams up in Evansville and he's putting on this comic con and he says, Hey, I want your dad to come up and, and I'm going to have Jerry there and Bill Dundee. And, and so I said, dad, I got great news for you. You want to go to Evansville and do it? He goes, he goes, why? He goes, why would anybody want me up there? Nobody knows. They don't know who remember me. I, it's been so long since I've been on TV. Well, let me tell you, we get up there who had, who had the second longest line besides Lawler's? <laughs> Lance Russell. Yep. He couldn't believe it. He just, he, he, and that night going back to the hotel, he goes, I just couldn't believe the number of people that wanted to come up and talk to me and shake my hand. It was, it was, um, he was so humbled by it. Unbelievable. Yeah. I was, I was talking to Kevin Lawler, Jerry's son, uh, not too long after Lance passed away. And, you know, he, he was, he was depressed. I was down. Uh, there, I had an interview scheduled with, uh, that I was, I was going to appear on another guy who, who podcast about Memphis wrestling. And, you know, he, he said, man, do you feel like talking? And I said, no, not really. I mean, it really was like a family member had, had passed away. And Kevin said, you know, uh, if, if you didn't live in Memphis, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get it. And I said, well, no, I, I disagree with that because, I know some. Fan- There's a guy named Howard Howard Baum. Uh, I know Howard. Yeah, yeah. who's from, who's from Florida. Yeah. yeah, all yeah, all these guys. Uh, they didn't live in Memphis, but they got the tapes, and right. they, they they just they loved Lance's homespun delivery, and and even if you didn't know him, you felt like you did. Right. And I think that was one the a big part of your father's appeal, and he just felt approachable uh the first time i talked to your dad i was in was in 1984 and i i was getting really concerned about whether or not lola was ever going to win the world championship and Lance, and nick bockwinkle had just lost the title to uh jumbo Sharuda in japan and for the life of me i could not figure out how to pronounce Sharuda. <laughs> I, <laughs> I i you know it was, it was jumbo something Right. And, I went, uh, and so I approached your dad as he was going to the dressing room and I got his autograph on, on a program. And I said, Lance, what do you think about this jumbo guy <laughs> who, just, <laughs> who just won the world title? And he's like, well, I tell you, <clears throat> jumbo Sharuda. And I went, ooh, wow. OK, so he's he's familiar with him. He just yeah. after, that, the last name just, you know, rolled off his tongue. And he goes, I tell you, he matches up. Uh, very well with Lawler and he can be had the longer a match goes. You think about Jerry, he's a slow starter. He can take punishment. This yeah. guy, if he doesn't put you away in 20, 25 minutes, he gets frustrated. And that's when Lawler can get him. And I went, Oh my gosh. <laughs> like <laughs> like I, I thought this was like real inside information uh, yeah. just because Lance had so much credibility uh, yeah. with the fans. Yeah. And uh, it's you, just, you uh, know, you know, another thing that uh, shows his appeal na- nationwide was, you know, when he when he passed, he was actually trending on Twitter right behind uh, Tom Petty and the Las Vegas shootings. Wow. Uh, you know, so that was that's remarkable there. And, um, you know, so so glad to see so many people remembered him. I tell you, uh, one uh, well, two people I remember that was just unbelievable about, of course, The Rock. You know, he he mentioned dad. Um, in a tweet, which I thought was very nice. I, I know Rock's uh, dad, Rocky, and his wife Sheila very well, and but I thought that was class, class act of Rock to remember Dad. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing was, um, 
do you remember Bill Dance? Yeah, the fishing guy. Yeah, well, it, not many people know this, but Dad, you know, in his great mind and being a broadcaster, he came up with the idea of having a, a fishing show on TV. He was the first one to do it, and he got Bill Dance to do it. So, uh, and so Bill sends flowers to the funeral, you know, and he says on the card, if it wasn't for Lance Russell, there would not be a bill dance. Wow. So, it's just amazing how many careers he helped shape from, you know, literally getting Lawler into the business and, and putting him on television uh, and, and to, you know, put Jerry in position to have that relationship with Jackie Fargo. Right. Um, which, you know, Jerry even says, he goes, you know, I, I think back to it. I don't know. Cause you know, his father had just passed away. Uh, uh-huh. When he started, he made the decision after his father died to send them, send the illustrations to Lance. He goes, and I, I don't know if I, on a, maybe a subconscious level, I was looking for a, for a father figure or I don't know what it was. I don't know what possessed me to do that, but it, it, it had to do with, I knew that Lance would see them yeah, and that maybe something would happen. Yeah. Uh, and he, you know, it talk about intuition. And, um, uh, and I, I just think that that speaks to like, it was almost destined to be really. Right. You know, I, I give you two other examples, their relationship. And, um, when dad uh, got the award at the cauliflower alley club, you know, you can have someone introduce you. And, uh, of course, when, when I said, Dad, have you, you thought about who you want? He goes, he kind of looked at me, gave me this puzzled look like, are you, are you kidding me? He says, the king, who else? <laughs> and he just says, oh, I hope, I hope Jerry's, you know, I know he's a busy guy and I hope his time. So, you know, we, we asked Jerry or Dad asked Jerry and Jerry was like, even if I was doing something, I would still be there for you. Jerry flew out on his own dime, did the introduction, and uh, Dad just just loved it. And then, of course, when he passed away, Jerry had a he had a um, he was already booked to do the New York Comic Con that weekend. And uh, Jerry said, "Hey, I'm canceling. I'm going. I'm going to be there. Don't worry about it." Yeah. So. Uh- Shane, I don't know if you uh, had a chance to read the uh, tribute I wrote to your dad last year, uh, but in in the story, uh, I relate something that that a friend of mine who worked at Baptist East Hospital. Uh, to, it, this is a, a little anecdote that he told me, and I I don't know how how true it is, but he said that your dad came in for a, a fairly routine heart procedure. Uh-huh. Uh, like I think it was in. I'm trying to think of it was shortly after I moved to Los Angeles, so maybe a, a couple of years after 1998, so maybe 2000. Um, not quite sure, but it, it, anyway, there was a a little cause for concern because uh, your dad had not come to yet after after the surgery and was still uh, uh, sedated. And he goes, you know, some family members came in. He goes, and I'm not sure who this woman was. It may have been his wife. But I, I explained to her that there's no need to be concerned, but we kind of expected him to uh, to be conscious by now, but it should be any moment. She goes, oh, he's fine. And she kind of pushed him out of the way a little bit and went over to him and she goes, banana nose. <laughs> she goes, he goes, and with that, 
Lance batted his eyes. Oh, man. <laughs> so, oh, man. I don't I don't know if he exaggerated that story for my benefit or not, but uh but I understand that 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 uh Jerry was so concerned when when your father was hospitalized uh, cuz you and you and I had been in contact right before that cuz I was right. interested in having uh, Lance come on the the show uh and that uh that Jerry immediately uh went up there along with Dave Brown. Uh Yeah, Dave Dave was the first one uh, at the play. They beat us there. So, uh, yeah, I got to see Dave. And then uh, Jerry and Lauren came out a couple of days later. And, uh, of course, Dad was out of it. You know, he, he never woke up once he fell. And uh, but, uh, Jerry did come out. Yeah. Um, when when Lance left to, to go to Atlanta, uh, how, how hard was that for him? You know, it, it was mixed emotions. Dad had always wanted to uh, – to try something on the, on a bigger scale. And he saw this as an opportunity to, uh, to do that. Uh, sure. He was going to miss all his old friends. And, uh, but he, he thought, you know, this is another opportunity and, uh, he, he wanted to try it. And, um, you know, of course what turned out was, you know, they, they, I guess they didn't know how to, well, his dad said they, they didn't know how to use me. Uh, they didn't understand, you know, uh, you know, what to do. Cause dad mainly did, uh, you know, some, uh, 900 number, uh, that wrestling hotline deal. And then, uh, and some other interviews, but it wasn't on the main main screen at the time. Yeah. Which I, I found very frustrating and could yeah. not understand at all what the heck they were doing. Uh, other, I, you know, the only thing that I can think of is that, you know, Jim Hurd was running it at the time. And I know that he was trying to steer it, a little bit from the Southern promotion, which, right. you know, obviously your dad was, was going to have some of that. Um, but to me, they, 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 they missed out on a huge opportunity. Um, but I agree. That's, uh, Cause I, I, to me, nobody understood that really when you're, I think when you're calling a wrestling match, you're, you're storytelling, you know, right. it's, it's not just an exchange of holds that's going on in the ring. The crowd is, they're really into the personalities and the background and, and your dad it was just effortless with weaving all those points in, but not to the point, but, it, but while also calling the action and reacting to what he was seeing in the ring and just made it seem so easy, I, I think is, uh, was also another part of, of what made him very special. Yeah. Yeah. He was something else. Uh, and I'm just thrilled to death that, that he was able to, come back <laughs> oh i know in he the mid 90s oh that was such a, i i have to say it was like one of the best times of my life and so it, was, it would have been it would have been great anyway alongside dave brown or uh i ended up being lawler's manager for a bit and that was just a dream come true but there's nothing quite like it wouldn't have been complete without having lance russell interview me uh on a few occasions uh and it's just i'm just i'm just so proud that i that i got in effect got to be the uh i guess the jimmy hart and lance russell of that era <laughs> um which is kind of an insult to, to jimmy hart because i was i was i wasn't fit to uh carry his tennis shoes but uh <laughs> but at any rate i tell you uh, looking at some of those old videos you did an awfully good job Scott, i'll tell you <laughs> Well, and again, that's just for much, I think just watching with your dad and, uh, and your dad just had a way, I think, you know, I, I look at an old interview that he did with Hulk Hogan. Oh yeah. And, and it, it, he would quickly like figure out, I think what a guy's weakness was and, and try to figure out, okay, what's, what are his strengths and weaknesses and how can I bring out the best in him? 
And this was stuff that he would just do on the fly, you know, yeah. without giving it very much thought at all beforehand. Jim Cornette tells a story that that he was out there doing commentary with uh, alongside your dad and the action kind of spilled over to the table. And Lance, you know, w- whispered to Jim is like, act like you're terrified. <laughs> you know, act, you know, get up and get away from the death. And Jim was like, oh, my gosh, you know, I was so caught up in the moment. I was so excited to be there that I wasn't reacting to what I was seeing. And he right. was dead right. You know, I should be terrified of these guys barreling over to the because what if I get hurt? <laughs> and and uh, he goes, you know, but that was just one of those things with Lance that he just one of those little things. Hey, hey do this, do this. Uh, and I don't know if you've seen recently. I, I found this old interview with Lawler introducing the amazing Spider-Man. I saw that. And one thing that was really interesting is how your dad is sort of, you know, Lance is looking to your dad and our Lawler is looking to your daddy right. and going, you know, what do you think, Lance? And how should he come down? And and your dad is like, well, he should sort of spin around. <laughs> yeah. uh, how how much do you know? Uh, did your dad enjoy like the creative process? And, and did he like chiming in occasionally and, and giving some ideas? He did. Uh, you know, he, I think again, it's a testament to Jerry's, Jerry's, uh, brilliance in that, you know, he, he knew dad's, uh, you know, his talent and especially in the broadcast side of the business. So dad, dad was very creative. Uh, so he, he did ask dad a lot of times on, you know, different things. Um, you know, dad was one of these guys, you know, he says, Hey, I, you know, I, I never wanted to know the ending because I wanted to be, surprised just like everybody else but he knew the premise you know what was going on so uh, yeah dad was uh you know he 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 definitely shared his his view or, or what the, he thinks should happen um you mentioned that that he he didn't he didn't like to know the finishes uh one of the best impromptu interviews i think your dad ever ever cut was with nick bockwinkel at ringside in 1982 when uh, it, it appeared that Jerry Lawler had won the world championship and pinned Nick. Uh, although Nick says that because of the, uh, the bottom rope in this part of the country is six inches higher right. than regulation anywhere else. My feet must've been up in the balcony. <laughs> and, and I love it because your dad is just so caught up in the mode of Jerry winning that he's like, no, 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 no. You're not the loss. The loss is there. Yeah. The loss is there. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> oh gosh, um, and I don't. I don't know if they had talked about them doing a promo at ringside or not beforehand. But the give and take between maybe the 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 Homer announcer rooting for the like kind of you know Lance was not afraid to show favoritism sometimes, but especially when it related to Jerry Lawler. So for him to see uh, you know the guy he broke into the business capture the world championship, of course he's going to get caught up in the moment. So That's it. Right. it it made it all logical. Uh, and again, I think the biggest gifts uh, that your dad and Dave Brown gave us, they made the impossible seem believable. That's well, what a great way to put it. That's exactly right, too. Well, Shane, yeah. listen, I, uh, I I could probably do this for another hour and, and talk your ear off. But uh, I hope you'll come back and, and maybe join us again. Cause I, no, I, I loved it. I love talking, uh, talking about dad. Uh, you know, he, he just he was a, a unique guy. Uh, you know, we, we, I miss him every day. And uh, this just past week was real tough, you know, with my uh, sister passing away four days before my dad. And uh, so it was, it was a tough one year anniversary for that. But 
Love talking about dad and wrestling. All yeah, I, again, I'm a just like my dad. We were fans of wrestling. So yeah. And I have to say, I'm so relieved that you are a fan because I honestly, I, I didn't know uh, for sure. Uh, but I think my instincts, I was like, I, I just know this is going to be a great interview. And I, and I don't want it to be a somber uh, discussion. Uh, I, obviously, it's hard for me. It, I think I took it hard in the beginning because I just thought there can't be, I, I can't imagine a world without Lance Russell. Yeah, yeah <laughs> uh, you're right. No, you I, tell you, I tell you a funny story. Uh, uh, just recently, I got my first experience in the ring. Uh, I, they were doing a tribute to Dad down in Lula, Mississippi, and uh, so we, we worked out a deal with uh, with Jimmy Blaylock, and uh, they, they ended up throwing me in the ring and ripping my jacket off. And oh my gosh! And yeah, so I got stomped on and choked, and uh, and Dustin's five star came to the rescue, and uh, it was a great night. I do have to say one of the biggest thrills of my life was uh, not only being in the Mid-South Coliseum in, uh, in December of 1980 when Jerry Lawler came back from the broken leg. Uh, that place was, I don't know if you were there that night, Shane. But, I was not, no. Okay. Well, that place was packed. I mean, I, I've seen the Mid-South Coliseum sold out quite a few times. It's the only time I can recall people sitting in the aisles. I don't know if Jerry Jarrett paid off the fire marshal or, <laughs> or what happened there. Uh, but And I know at one point, when they, because uh, Memphis was such a, uh, it was not an advanced town. It was such a walk up town. Right. So that night, you know, it was on pace for a sellout, but so many, the line was sn- uh, the sneaking outside the Mid South Coliseum. And my uncle and I, we got two of the last seats way up in the, way up in the nosebleeds. But it almost didn't matter because Lawler was such a larger than life personality and coming back and coming through the stage and the smoke and the whole deal. Uh, but, you know, and, and worked that show against the Dream Machine. And I got to manage Troy Graham years later in 94. And I was just sort of at awe of Troy because I just thought he was one of those guys who should have been bigger. Oh, what a great mouth. What a great mouth. Just incredible. And I asked him about the moment where he attacked Lance. And he, he, got, he got so serious on me. And he goes, hey, brother. God is my witness. That was an accident. I said, what? <laughs> he goes, he goes, well, I, I was going out. To, yeah, I was going out there. I was all fired up, you know, uh, about the, it, it, that. You know, we had talked about that. But, you know, I got up a full head of steam and I went out there. He goes, and they, you know, they had that little area where there was a step. Yeah. That you had to go up. He goes, I tripped over that step and fell on top of Lance. I said, oh, come on. You're kidding. He, goes, <laughs> he goes, hey. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> and I went, okay, <laughs> all right, fair uh, enough for me. You, you, you tripped. Um, uh, and when, uh, when Lawler called me once to, uh, I, I had quit the promotion and, and he goes, he goes, would you come back if, if you were my manager? And I said, oh man, I said, oh, all right, Jerry. Well, what did you have in mind? He said, well, we're doing the last blast at the Coliseum. And, you know, it's probably going to be the last show for the foreseeable future there unless we get something worked out. He goes, so I really want to do something that, that's only been done once before with Dream Machine attacking Lance. I want you to to shove Lance. And I went, 
oh man, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, oh, come on, come on. And I talked about it with Lance beforehand and he's like, yeah, yeah, come on. And you do that. And, uh, you know, I'll say, Hey, I'm going to bring my, uh, my golf clubs down there. If you get out of line, I'm going to tee off on you. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we show up Monday night and sure enough, he's got his big driver. <laughs> It is that, which is just fantastic. But uh, anyway, we're saying, hey, I um, I feel like you're almost like a brother who I've never met because I certainly look to your dad as as a member of my own family and almost like a father figure, and he was uh, such a great guy. Uh, Goes that goes way beyond. Uh, just being a performer. And when I saw him in Charlotte, we were doing the Memphis round table. He just, uh, he just loved it. Uh, we had such a great time talking about the old days. And it was one of those afternoons that I almost wish could have lasted a lot longer, uh, much like this talk. So uh, I do yeah. hope that maybe you'll come back and join us again one day. No, thank you so much for having me. Great reminiscing about uh, the old days and dad. And uh, thanks again, Scott. I really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you, Shane. All right, That's Shane Russell, everybody, the son of the legendary wrestling announcer, Lance Russell. We'll be right back. Frank Morrell out there. We want to know what in the world was that all about? Where is it your place to come out here, kick the king in the head and do all of that? Hey, let me tell you something, Lance Russell. I was through refereeing for the night, and I looked up. What the tape didn't show, Jeff Jarrett purposely drop-kicked Frank Morrell. And Frank, you know, he's the only living person that's actually older than Eddie Marlin, has a heart attack right in the middle of the ring. And I run out there to save Frank's life to give him CPR. And on my referee instinct, okay, I drop down to count. And at that moment, I'd also see Lola Powell drive Eddie Gilbert. You forget about that. That was on the tape. At that moment... All the months and months of Jerry Lawler's flagrant disregard for the rules, with flagrant disregard for authority, he has pushed me around, he has shoved me. And I tell you what, Lance Hunter, I just wasn't going to stand for it anymore. I couldn't take it. I was disgusted, and so I stomped him like the cockroach that he is. Let me tell you that. You took it upon yourself to do it. Jerry Lawler has Eddie Gilbert down. You, as a referee, step in there, take it upon yourself, kick him, and cause a loss of the match in there. Count him out. Now, where do you get off doing something like that? Oh, boy, this is surprising that you're taking Lawler's side. Well, when you left in 89, it wasn't going to go to Atlanta. It was to run the Jerry Lawler fan club full time. Right. Everybody Don't knows that. Right. with that smart stuff in you here. Should be, I stood up to Jerry Lawler, and he couldn't stand it. Did you see him? He was like all bug-eyed. He was so shocked that a referee actually fought back. Well, let me tell you something, Lawler. It's going to happen again if you come out and mess with me. Well, it isn't going to happen with you because I wish you would listen to this little announcement. Eddie Marlin couldn't be here today, but he told me what he wanted to pass on to Scott Bowden. If you're listening, Eddie Marlin says you are suspended. Your job is out. You're suspended. Oh, you stand here and say for what? That's the jury, Lawler. What? Because you kicked him in the head. You took a place that had no record. This is a perfect example of how Lawler's got the promotion in his back pocket. You understand me? What did I do? Let me tell you one thing, young man. You better listen. That doesn't have anything to do with it. But suspension is... Yeah, you never missed anything. He's suspended, and that's all there is to it. And you better learn one thing right now. In this life, you pay. You have to take the responsibility for your act. Okay, Dad. 
I cannot believe I have stood back here and heard you actually say that. Eddie Marlin told you to suspend this That's young cool. man after he did what we told all of our young people to do. Stand up for yourself. Stand up for yourself. After all those years, Jerry Calhoun referee in here, let Lord get by with murder. Then bring the rail. Call neighbors. The list goes on and on and on. When somebody fights back, you suspend them. This man, this man will have to stand on the street corner now with a sign saying, I'll referee for money. See, he doesn't have a job. You yeah, suspended him now. He has no job. This poor... Whatever. What am I going to do in a position where you would pick a wrestler? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I'll tell you what, buddy. You've got a friend in me, and I'll find you something to do. Oh, Come yeah, on. yeah. Eddie Gilbert's my best friend now. You understand that? Let me tell you something, Jerry Lawler. You haven't heard the last of me. When you least expect it, expect it, Lawler, okay? Eddie Gilbert's my best friend. You haven't friend. learned anything if Eddie Gilbert is your best friend, because I'll tell you, people judge you by the folks you hang out with. Scott Bowden. Welcome back to Kentucky Fried Wrestling. Uh, Brian, I don't know about you, but I really enjoyed that. You know, um, I, I, I've swapped texts before with, with Shane, as we discussed. But, you know, I didn't even know for sure if he were a wrestling fan. And I think, think that's so cool that uh, that he was, you know, a fan of the business and, you know, went to his... How cool is that? You know, it's cool anytime you can go with your dad to his job. You know, my dad was a firefighter. Uh, my dad took a lot of abuse when I became a character on Memphis wrestling. I was always talking about all the money he had, uh, because a lot of his fellow firefighters would call his station and ask to borrow a million dollars and all that kind of stuff and reference my candy apple red Mitsubishi eclipse sports car, which must've cost a pretty good chunk of change, but, uh, man to go there and see your father, you know, he, being this uh, really just a not even a wrestling legend, a broadcasting legend, a Mid-South broadcasting legend, Lance Russell, who now is probably bigger than ever with the advent of YouTube um, and so many younger fans discovering Memphis wrestling. Well, Scott, I think you said it best during the interview with Shane, where you said that you didn't have to live in Memphis to understand Lance, to be a fan of Lance, to get Lance. I mean, here I am. I grew up in Long Beach, New York, and I'm a massive fan of Lance Russell, an announcer from Memphis, Tennessee. It doesn't make any sense, but there are people like that all over the world, and Lance has a really special relationship with a lot of fans, unlike most wrestling announcers who are usually forgettable, or if you have not forgotten them, you really, really want to forget them. Lance isn't yeah. that way. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, I think of our, our mutual friend, Howard Baum, who uh, was a huge Memphis wrestling fan and had the privilege of actually being in the studio for that infamous angle with Eddie Gilbert and uh, Tommy Rich, the WFIA Tag Team of the Year, uh, along with Pete Letterberg, where they do the presentation. And Eddie Gilbert, of course, is knocking Tommy Rich. And Lance lowers his head and just shakes his head like he's ruining this moment. Uh, it's just one of those little things, a Lanceism, as I like to call it, uh, that Lance did to let you know that he was very disappointed in young Eddie Gilbert. It's hard to believe he's gone, but uh, his memory will always be with us. And we all give that look to you every time we listen to you on the <laughs> With a look of disappointment? <laughs> In tribute to Lance Russell. Oh, I appreciate that. Oh, that's about enough out of Brian. For Brian Last, this is Scott Bowden <laughs> reminding you that Kentucky Fried Wrestling is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. Be sure to check out MemphisWrestlingTees.com for a new array of fall merchandise that is just atomic dropped. 
You won't find it anywhere else but MemphisWrestlingTees.com. For Brian Last, this is Scott Bowden. We'll see you next week, everybody. We are at the end. And for a while, I was not sure we would ever get here, as a matter of fact. We'll look for you next week, right here at same time, 11 o'clock. Until then, a reminder that Studio Wrestling comes to you from the studios of Channel 13 at 485 South Highland. Directed today by John Wolfe. This is Lance Russell speaking for Dave Brown, inviting you back again next week and bidding you a very good day.